Hello, and welcome to Calming the Chaos Podcast, where we talk with people around the world who can help you find peace in a chaotic world. I'm your host, Tracy Canella, licensed mental health counselor, certified eating disorder specialist, and advanced clinical hypnotherapist. Calming the Chaos Podcast is for those who want self-help resources and education. It's not a substitute for counseling or psychotherapy. So if you like what you hear, please subscribe and share it with your friends. Thanks so much for listening. And now, let the chaos begin. In this episode of Calming the Chaos, I am here with Dr. Vic Manzo. And uh, Dr. Vic has so many credentials that I'm not even going to bother to talk about them. Uh, I will have him introduce himself. I do know that he is a doctor. He's a chiropractor. But he, the reason I wanted to have him on my show was to help people learn the value of learning mindfulness and how it can help you in your everyday life. He has some stories to share about how mindfulness has helped him stay calm when life has thrown him curveballs. Uh, he has also got a couple of podcasts and he is a spiritual business mindset coach. I'm just really so happy to have a doctor. I'm just going to call him Dr. Vic, right? Dr. Vic, I am just so glad to have you. Welcome to common chaos. Oh, thank you for having me on. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, I am too, because there's so many of my clients who, and others who really don't believe in the power of mindfulness to really be a game changer in your life and your focus and help you in relationships, just so many ways. And so it'll be great to talk to you and maybe you can convince my audience that there is value in mindfulness. It's a tall order, but I think I always like a challenge, so I'm good. For, I'm ready to rock. <laughs> hey, I thought you said it was a piece of cake earlier. You said it's a piece of cake, and I'm like, give me that cake. It, it, yeah. You know, it, it is. It is in a certain way, but we'll we'll see what the audience thinks after we get through this. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. So, why don't we start by uh, having you introduce yourself a little bit more better than I did, and about uh, how you got to be doing the things that you're doing today. Yeah, no, great. Um, you know, I've been a chiropractor for the last 12 years. Um, I love being a chiropractor. I've been in pediatrics, specializing in pediatrics, pregnancy and things like that for the last, um, let's see now, it's been six years. And um, I became certified in the last two years to be a certified pediatric chiropractor just because things are changing in our profession and in the ways of just the pressures we're put on and uh, whatever that may be. So having that title was just a no way to say, well, why do you adjust kids? Well, I'm certified. Or what, what justifies you to adjust a child, a kid? Oh, well, I'm, I'm, I'm certified pediatric. So I've done the training to do that. Mm -hmm. Um, but I love doing, I, besides that kind of work though, when I got into chiropractic, um, I, I'm a type of individual who likes to go deep as I can, as wide as I can when it comes to learning something. So if someone just says, well, this is what it is, or this is what that means, and that's it, I'd be like, we, we, I need to go deeper. I want to know why that is. What's, what's, the, what's the importance of where does it come from? Mm -hmm. And that's how it was with healing. I want to understand the, 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 the premise of like the deepest level of what healing is. And since chiropractic came from a, a gentleman named Dee Dee Palmer, who was a magnetic healer, which is a form of like Reiki in this day and age, mm. uh, from coming from the metaphysical, I was like, man, why, do, why don't we chiropractors talk about the metaphysical? I, I go, it's sad that in my own, I'm going to school here, one of the best at the time, and they're not even talking about these things. 
I mean, it came up here and there, but it wasn't like, this is the forefront. So I was like, I want to learn more. And since I couldn't learn it in school, I went outside of school. But what I ended up learning through energy healing was a lot more than just healing. I learned a lot on spirituality. I learned a lot on uh, quantum physics. I learned uh, a lot on ancient wisdom and stuff like that. And it was one of those things where um, it was, it was, it was an open, um, it opened the door to so much more that my curious mind was interested in. And so it wasn't until years later to where I started to apply some of these things in my own business and in my life, uh, like the law of least effort, the least amount of work to get the greatest gain, the whole plethora of mindfulness. I've been practicing, you know, things like meditation and all that for 15 years and, um, the importance of why, right? So you, in, t- in today's society, we do so much of like, oh, just do this because this is cool or it benefited me. And we don't want to know maybe, hey, why is that benefit that one individual? Why is, or how does it help the individual? And I think that's very important to to understand why we do what we do rather than just doing because. Uh, I'm at least a big component of that. But in my business, then I started to apply these things. And instead of being burned out, instead of being unfulfilled, Instead of being not satisfied in my business, especially when I hit my peak financial my, my financial peak, there came a point in my life where all of a sudden I wasn't working as hard or as much. Uh, I was making more. I was way more satisfied. And my whole life changed. And all of a sudden I was like, I need to teach entrepreneurs this because they they when I looked and talked, when I talked on my experience of talking with entrepreneurs, they're always you know on the go, they're busy, always about doing and not about the being element of life. Mm. And that's where I kind of shifted. I started to like as a side hustle, did coaching uh, while I had my chiropractic office. And then just recently, uh, my wife and I moved from Knoxville to Chicago. And from that, we ended I ended up um, uh, letting go of the practice. Uh, I was trying to sell it. Didn't work out. The climate in Illinois at that time with COVID and everything, just chiropractors were leaving the state more than coming to the state. And uh, it came to the point where we just let it go. And I went full-time coaching this year and it's been an absolute blast and uh, beyond what I would ever, uh, what I have expected so far. My goodness. Wow. So many places to go from here. I like what you said about healing and your approach to healing. You started from a medical background and a pediatric chiropractor to starting to explore energy healing, which I am completely into, right? And for that, actually, you have to have some degree of mindfulness in order to do energy healing, correct? got to find a way to ground yourself and create that space to like over time when I started doing a little bit of energy healing, because I studied about 12 different techniques. And I was like, man, how do these masters like create unbelievable change? And I always thought it was me like doing right. Here's the trap, right? Doing. And what I found out was you just got to be so grounded Mm -hmm. to create a space for it. And that's how healing happens. Mm -hmm. And it's it's, when I started to go that route, it was like, wow, okay, this changed this experience. Not me saying it would be the individual be like, I don't know where you took me or holy cow. And all of a sudden I was like, interesting. And I got that. I actually learned that from horses working with autistic children. Oh my goodness. Because if you ever, like there was, there were studies that were being done and they were looking at horses. They were talking about heart rate variability. Um, And for those who don't know, heart rate variability, it's an amazing technology, but it uh, just looks at the variability of your heart, but through that, it can tell you where your nervous system is more dominant, one side versus the other. Most most of the time, we're more uh, sympathetic dominant. It's part of your nervous system that we can't control uh, to a certain degree, and um, a lot of other factors come with us. 
And it was interesting. They would they were doing studies with um, horses when they see a child and it'd be uh, stemming or doing stuff like that. Um, the horses would would all sit and calm, and then all of a sudden the child would calm. Hmm. Done with people who had seizures, uh, individuals, kids who had who had seizures of some sort, and the horses would calm and the seizures would stop. Hmm. And I was like. The only way I understand based on energy, electromagnetic forces, all those other things is they created a coherence field that gave an opportunity for that child to step into that, to give it a different experience. Right. It's all about the experience that the person is having and the energy that they're having about the experience that they're in. Right. And it's such a broad view, but I'm not sure that a lot of people understand that because what a lot of people are involved in, like you said, is the doing mode and not in the being mode. There's those two modes. And uh, I think in our culture, we tend to focus on what we do and what we produce and not exactly who we are and the experience that we're having in the moment, right? That's more about the mindfulness piece of it. Yeah, 100%. I mean, mindfulness returns us back to the present and it allows, there's so much that we can go down on mindfulness, but it, it brings us back to the present and just be mindful of the moment of where we are. And a lot of times that, it, 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 if we can do that, which we all can, but if we practice that, it enhances our experience of the moment. You know, and I want to talk to you more about this because I have told this to client after client, time after time, I've talked to people who are in my personal life and I've said mindfulness practices really work. Even if you just do something like mindful coffee drinking or mindful brushing of your teeth or whatever, just five minutes a day. And there are people who say, I can't do mindfulness. It doesn't work on me. It's really hard and it's really stressful and it doesn't, and it makes me more stressed. There's all kinds of people. I, I wonder if, I think we were talking about from a neuroscience point of view or perspective that you can maybe even explain to some people who are maybe doubting the power of mindfulness to help you stay calm in chaos. If you can explain that a little bit to people and maybe that can convince them a little bit more to start to at least practice five minutes a day. No, totally. I mean, here's the thing. We all have a brain, right? So the, with the way the brain works a certain way, there's laws to neurology. There's certain pathways that just work in a certain way, and that is going to happen. So can mind, does mindfulness work for everyone? Absolutely. Um, when we practice a sort of mindfulness, now mindfulness can be so many different things, right? You're talking about mindful drinking of coffee or mindful brushing your teeth. It can be mindful shaving. It can be mindful mm -hmm. washing the dishes. It can be mindful working out. Um, these are all art forms of meditation. Uh, because you're what you're doing is you're just focusing, uh, and that's the art of meditation. Meditation is just building your I call it your focus muscle. There's really no such thing as a focus muscle, but I just like to call it that way because people think, oh, the more I practice this, the stronger it gets, the better I get to hold the focus. But from a neurological perspective, majority of people, um, and I don't have any data on my own, I can just say from my own personal my professional experience in my chiropractic office using heart rate variability technology, <laughs> I can tell you that. About 90, 95% of the people that walked into my office, even kids, even newborns, were stuck in a state of stress of some sort, which is known as a sympathetic dominance or a sympathetic mm -hmm. tone. And so that's that part of the nervous system is what I used to teach it on is it's, it's the gas pedal part. And why I call yeah. it the gas pedal, it revs everything up. 
It's fight or flight, fight or yeah. flight, right? Yeah. yeah, fight or flight. And it's what revs everything up. So what does revving mean? Your heart rate, breathing respiratory rate, you have increase of sugar being, you know, hormone balances that happen, digestion shuts off. There's a, there's a revving part of survival, basically. And so, like I said, 90 to 95%. So what does that mean from a brain perspective? Well, there's a part of your brain. Now, for all the neuro people out there, I do know this part of the brain. I had someone call me out on this. I do know this part of the brain does more than what I'm about to share. But just trying to keep it simple for individuals here is that there's a part of your brain called the amygdala. You can keep it short for Amy if you want. It's literally on the right above your mm -hmm. ear slightly, yep. right? Yep. And so that part of your brain is your stress, worry, and anxiety center. Now, when someone has heart rate variability being, you know, gas, gas pedal dominant, right? That also means from a brain perspective, you have a, you have a, probably an over, overly or a larger amygdala than someone who practices mindfulness in some way, shape or form. Mm -hmm. And the reason why is because nerves, there's a, there's a law in neurology called Hebb's law, nerves that fire together, wired together. And so what that means is the way neurology works and how you can rewire your brain is when you fire a certain pathway in the brain, every time you fire that, it strengthens the connection. So the way I want to hear you guys understand this is, is like, I want you to think of an expressway, okay? Pathways, things that are firing are cars. The wider the expressway, the easier it is going to be able to get cars through. Your mm -hmm. neurology works on the path of least resistance. So whatever's the widest highway, that's what it's going to go towards most commonly, okay? So imagine most people, are having a wider highway to that Amy part of their brain or the amygdala. Now, when you have that, remember it, it fires stress, it fires your worries, anxieties. It also, you have a lack of impulse control, just to name a few things. <laughs> and so it's one of the things though that, okay, so we have that happening. Now, there's another part of your brain that's a count. I always, it's, it's almost a counter to it because when you, you can't, they go two different ways. So one, uh, it's like a opposite to it. And so mm -hmm. this is right behind your forehead called the prefrontal cortex. So what chiropractors work on day in and day out. That's what we strengthen every single day. But this part of your brain is known as your executive center of your brain. This is a part of the brain that um, it's impulse control, choosing decisions, focus, concentrations. You can future plan with this and so many more things. This is what makes us more human, in other words. And because your amygdala brings you back to being like a monkey. So um, in, in that sense, because when we're in a stress state, we're going to our lower centers of our brain where we're not in a stress state or we're staying centered and focused. Then all of a sudden we go to our higher states of our brain, like the prefrontal cortex. Mm -hmm. And so when you are not in a practicing mindfulness in some way, shape or form, um, what happens is you're like every most of like everyone else for the most part, which it has probably an oversized, overfed, overstimulated amygdala. Mm -hmm. What mindfulness does, and this has been proven through meditation alone. Um, they've done studies on this eight minutes. I think it was 10 minutes a day, eight week study. And they measured the thickness of the prefrontal cortex. So they looked and seen, they wanted to understand, okay, we know from a, how the pathways work. But that's not enough science. So they're like, well, we need to actually have proof that meditation does this, even though we already know neurologically it does. But we had to do this. The science was done. And what they found out in eight weeks, it actually thickens the prefrontal cortex. Now, what does that mean for you? When a tissue, brain tissue thickens, it means one, right? We've been firing more nerves to a different area. Blood flow is going to go there more. What is going to happen? It's going to, you know, it's going to give nutri nutrients there to grow that tissue. And so what that means is the same thing I shared earlier with you guys about the highway. So what the brain does when you practice mindfulness, you are shrinking the highway to the amygdala 
and you're widening the highway of the prefrontal cortex. When you're able to do that now, all of a sudden, it's going to be harder for you to fire up that amygdala to get into mm. a fear, worry, and anxiety state. I'm not saying you can't do it. It's a human emotion. It's going to happen. But the point I'm trying to make is it's going to be not your normal tone. It's going to be not going to be your normal reaction. And so you become less impulsive. You become more centered. You become mm -hmm. more focused. You can concentrate better. Now, what does that all mean? When I share with my clients this stuff, I always tell them, if you can do those things, you can achieve your dream life easier. You can have more of what you desire in your life, what you want to experience more. You get to choose and actually have it because when you have an overdominant amygdala, you're easily distracted. It's hard for you to focus. Um, yeah, so. and I and one of the things I suggest with my clients who have ADD, ADHD is to start to practice mindfulness and many of them are very resistant. So I think that would be very helpful just to understand that we are actually growing uh, the prefrontal cortex, and then then the amygdala, we're widening the highway. Is that what you said? Did I remember that correctly? Yeah. So mindfulness will grow. It helps. It just, from a neurological perspective, it's widening the highway of the to go to the prefrontal cortex, making it easier to stimulate that. Okay. So if somebody, let's just say, for example, somebody is a bit resistant to doing a mindfulness practice, is are there any mindfulness practices that you suggest for your clients or you've done yourself that has, have helped that people would be maybe more willing to do? I know I've done the five senses, like I, I've had somebody put lotion on their hands, just for example, and just like rubbing in the lotion, um, smelling the lotion, actually um, observing their hands and spending about five minutes putting lotion on their hands. And that's really pretty simple. Uh, and there's other ones as well that I, that I have, but I'm curious to know which ones you suggest and maybe even simpler than, than that. Yeah, I think the so I always look at ways. What's the things we have we're going to do anyhow in our day, and just be aware of that because that's where the real change is. Because even like for myself, uh, before I was like meditating often, and but my wife would always laugh. She's like, because I would get done with my meditation, and I was doing like this thing about appreciation and honor and love to her, and I would say this, and then like you know she'll catch me a half hour later, and maybe I'm in like a go mode because I'm a type A person. And she'd just be like, wow, you come off very harsh. That's not the, that's not the Vic I was just talking to that you were sending me a message. And I was just like, after a while of that, I was, I sat back for a moment. I'm just like, what if I start practicing? I'm going to still do my meditations, but I need to practice mindfulness on the most simplest level. I think that's where I need to make some changes. And it, it really was a game changer. So it's mm -hmm. like, what do we have to do, right? Well, you have to eat. I mean, I, I, I practice fasting, but there comes a point I have to eat. Um, I have to, you know, breathe. That's even mm -hmm. more important, right? So what those two things are like the easy, you know, I always like it. Those are the two easiest. So breathing is an easy one. What I recommend to tell people to do is research shows that you just need six deep breaths to reset the nervous system. And I mean the autonomic nervous system. Um, there's a part of your brain in the mid part, mid brain called the breath pacemaker. It's just a cluster of neurons and they monitor respiratory rate. That's why when you're angry, your respiratory rate goes faster. When you're calm and relaxed, it slows down, but you can also alter that because of that process. You can slow down your breathing. So what I tell clients to do sometimes is, and I used to tell patients this a lot too, just map out five times throughout the day, put it on a, put it on a, a calendar or you get an alert so you can see it. Let's use technology for a good thing here. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, I try to get people off phones as much as I can, but so this is a good thing to use it for. 
And what it'll do is when an alarm goes off or whatever happens, you go ahead and just take 10 nice, long, deep breaths as long as you can. That's it. That's all I want you to do. Nothing more, nothing less. And Ten then long, slow, deep breaths. You have them hold it for maybe a couple of seconds as well. Or Nice pause. So you just take a deep mm -hmm. breath in, hold for a second, breathe out, hold for a second, breathe in. So you want to breathe in through the nose, out through the mouth. Um, and that's all I have them do. Ten, ten times, five times a day. Um, and the thing about that is who can't find time to do ten deep breaths? Mm. I don't even care if you go fast. The point is just take a nice <laughs> deep breath. Um, right. right. And, and you have to breathe anyhow. So why don't you just change your breathing up a little bit? Um, right. Right. Eat, Eating is another one, but some people like, especially in today's era, especially with, you know, overstimulated amygdala or just nervous or just anxious, we, we kind of rev through things really quick. But mm -hmm. as you know, and I, I've done this myself, I used to teach on mindful eating because I'm like, you have to eat. So why don't you just eat slower and enjoy the moment? And to be very transparent, this is the one thing I have a hard time with doing for myself. I'm just the type of person I like to chomp through things. I sometimes enjoy the food. I enjoy it. Trust me. I taste the flavors. I got everything going on. I pick up on it really quick. But there, even that's the only one of the only things I, I'm like. Eventually, I'm going to master that. Right now, it's just not important <laughs> to me. Um, uh -huh. but, but you know, I like to be transparent. But it's one of those things <laughs> where when I do do that, when I do take time to slow down and just enjoy something that I'm eating. The flavors that come through the food, the enjoyment of chewing and just that whole process, it's an experience in itself that I'm like, yeah, this is probably I got to get used to doing this a little more. Um, again, you have to eat anyhow. Spend yeah. some time just, you know, your, your mom or your dad or somebody, you've all heard it before. Chew your food at least 20 times, right? Yeah. There's some truth behind that. And in the essence of I wouldn't say put a time on it or like a number on it, but just put it into a moment. Where you're mm -hmm. just chewing and enjoy the food. And it's funny because I used to, I when I was in my office in, in back in Chicago, I partnered with a restaurant owner and uh, we would do mindful eating. And so she knew the more of the textures of the flavors and what comes through at certain notes and all that. I'm just like, this is beyond my paper. <laughs> uh, I'm like, I wish I had a palate like that. But, um, but it was great because I can talk about the mindfulness side and the neuroscience behind it. And then here we go now. I want you to eat this one, you know, like a like a, just a, I think it was a, ra a raisin. Just eat a raisin. This is usually the common one that people do. Have a raisin and just eat it like you normally would and whatever. And then tell us what you thought. And then she, you know, they go through it. Mm -hmm. And then we did the mindful eating of it. And she takes them through this little process. And all of a sudden it was like, pay attention to how much more notes of things you got out of it. Yeah. And, and nobody's list was the same. It was always a little, it was always longer. So how much in our life are we missing because we're not staying mindful mm -hmm. in, in the element? And, but these are the two that I do. I mean, like I said, if, if you're someone who likes to work out, well, guess what? You can do mindfulness practice when working out. I was doing this. I didn't even know I was doing it at 19 years old. Mm -hmm. I was, I used to, I used to, I would, I would imagine in my head working out a muscle and just going really slow. I'm talking like 10 seconds reps. You know, so the weight's a lot lighter, but I'm just going nice and slow. And I'm just, every time I fire up the muscle in my head, I'm just seeing and feeling the fibers contract. I'm seeing what they look like. Uh, sometimes I'm visually looking at them in the mirror. Sometimes I can't, my shirts, I have a long sleeve on or something I can't see. Um, so I'm just you know, visualizing what that looks like. And I'm going through that practice. And I'll tell you, what was interesting about that workout is it, I, I don't know. I mean, I was going, I was under chiropractic care at the time. I think that had a big influence too, but it was one of those things where I noticed that I got in really, really good shape. Um, but again, mindfulness helps you stay centered and focused. It actually will, mindfulness will drop down your 
uh, cortisol, which is a stress hormone. I try and tell people that it is like exercising your brain. It is like working out, but you're doing a workout for your brain and you're making your brain stronger and more resilient. That doesn't go over uh, great uh, a lot of the time. I just, uh, I have a lot of people in my practice who are resistant to, to doing mindfulness. I don't know if you have any words of inspiration for somebody who is just I don't think this is going to work for me. I've got too bad of ADD. I, my ADHD is off the charts and mindfulness isn't going to help. Is there any kind of words of inspiration that you might be able to uh, to say to those people who are resistant in that way? I'll say I'm an undiagnosed ADHD individual. You know, I didn't know I was until I went to chiropractic school, started learning, you know, about the, you know, the aspects of it and so forth. And I go, called my mom that day and one, one of the days at night after. And I said, mom, um, let me ask you a couple of questions. I want to talk about my childhood. She goes, okay, what's going on? I said, just have a couple of questions. And I started rattling off things and she's just like, yep, 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 yep. I go, yeah, I thought so. Made more sense. Was um, it hard for you to stay in your seat? Was yeah. it, did you take, yeah, was it hard for you to wait your turn in line? You know, all this stuff, right? My dad would always tell me, he goes, I would sit at a table and I'd just shake my leg. And, I, and he goes, what's the matter? Are you nervous? Mm-hmm. Well, he didn't know that actually calmed me. Mm-hmm. Right? Or somebody who has ADHD, they like, people who are stressed are like this too. But for me, um, high texturized foods. Mm-hmm. I would, I would be, I always wanted that because I would eat like crazy with them. Bag of chips, I can devour them like that. But why did I do that? It wasn't because I was addicted to chips. It was because the overstimulate, because what do they do with kids who have ADHD? They give them stimulants to overstimulate the calm. Um, Like if I have too much coffee, I go to sleep. Mm. To add to that though, it's when I started practicing meditation, that started to take it to a whole nother level, which gave me the opportunity years down the road to focus enough to write a book. To be able to do now, I have the. I always tell people, I have the. I used to tell this to parents too when I work with them with their children who have ADHD or something or adult. We're going to give you the gifts of being ADHD without the negatives. That's the goal. Yeah. Because there's a blessing in having, there's, I mean, there's a blessing to it, but Mm -hmm. there's a negative. And the thing is, if we can curb the negative, we can enjoy the gifts of what it brings. Yeah, it's so much easier to um, curb what the gift down so that you can be functional than to grow the gift because some people don't even have the gift, right? They don't even have, I call it the bulls and the butterflies. The butterflies are the highly sensitive people or the empaths or whatever you want to call them. And the bulls are the people who just kind of trod through life and they don't even feel it if, uh, if somebody's even, you know, like tugging at their tail or whatever. They're just so, you know... Uh, steadfast and and stable, which is pretty good in in and of itself. But you do want to kind of be aware of life and sensitive to if there's going to be danger. So that the butterflies are overly sensitive. You can help a butterfly to tone things down. Yeah, you can help a bull to sort of realize and and uh, exercise some awareness and everything too. But it's so much easier in my experience to help somebody who's highly sensitive to say, hey, this is a gift. Let's help you to um, uh, make this gift work for you and uh, be effective for you in your life. I don't know. What do you think? No, I like it. I mean, the other thing too is like, like I, I know some. I have some clients who have ADHD, and it's amazing how much they let that dictate their life. Mm-hmm. Well, I have this. This is why I'm this, and I'm like, you don't have ADHD. I mean, I mean, if you talk to some really very people who are way smarter than I am, they'll tell you that it doesn't exist. Now, some people argue with that, but the reason why I agree with them is because. If you truly have ADHD, you can't focus at all on anything. 
Yeah, it's out. like driving through. I've been told it's been like like driving through a a mudstorm with no windshield wipers. Is that you cannot function, you can't see, you can't focus. There's nothing out there for you to center on. Uh, and so, I, I like what you said about uh, about you even being self diagnosed. ADHD, and also confirming that uh, with your mom. Uh, all of you out there who may think that you have ADHD, there's all kinds of screenings out there that you can go through, and you can ask your parents, or you can go see a professional uh, for sure. So, well, thank you for that. Uh, that uh, as, as far as trying to inspire people, I'm hoping that the the brain. Uh, and the the thickening of the the frontal cortex and then the amygdala widening of the path will help people understand that that's going to really benefit them in the future. And so you mentioned that you have written some books. I'm going to try and if we can do this, I'm going to try and uh, share the screen and uh, see if we can bring up some of your books if we can. You have quite a few books here. And I see there's this, now I don't know if this is, this is Decoding the Matrix, Powerful Tips for Unleashing Your Potential and Accelerating Your sp Spiritual Awakening. And that's like zero, like we can get that for free. What is that? That's for an, uh, it says Audible Trial. And I know they have like Kindle Unlimited. If you have like, oh. you, you do this Kindle Unlimited, you can get it for free. So that's how Amazon gets you to uh, be interested in their their other programs. Can you tell us a little bit about that book, especially when it says Matrix? It just sort of has me a little bit intrigued here. Decoding the Matrix. It's almost like you've cracked the code. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe a little bit. Um, yeah, the Matrix is the whole book is the premise. There's three parts to it. So the first part is understanding what the Matrix is, which basically is uh, human, basically the human collective consciousness. That's another term for it. And so human collective consciousness is just averaging out all the consciousness levels of every individual that exists in this planet. And then that creates the matrix. It's not just prone to only humans. Um, animals have it. Our planet has it. Our solar system has it. The universe has it. It's just the average of the consciousness levels of something. Um, but in the first part, I talk about how this actually conditions our mind and how it plays a role on us in our experiences and how it puts us in a state because 95% of our life is dictated by our subconscious mind. And right. so if the matrix has an influence on that. We're living in then a mental prison is what I call it in the book. And we don't realize that if we think we're doing something, but we're not really doing what matters for us. In the, in the second part, I talk about what's your potential how do you, you know, what, how do you know what your potential is? How you become aware of it? I share some business stuff that I share with my clients. And, um, and then the third part we get into, which is the spiritual awakening side. Mm -hmm. Why is it so important to live to your potential? Why is it important to be intentional on your every single day? And what's the, what's the journey of someone who's going through their first spiritual awakening? There's four stages usually to that. And then why is it critical for you to step into your potential, not only for your own life, but also help others do the same and how from doing, living your truth and living your, you know, being intentional every single day, that also raises the matrix up. And then it also influences others to do the same thing. And if we can create a ripple effect like that, then all of a sudden we move and elevate the matrix up higher, then it gives all of humanity a whole different kind of experience, which is going to be more aligned to higher vibrations like love and other things like that, life supporting and all that stuff. 
Yeah, so if the collective consciousness now is fear, which I understand that that's probably more true, uh, and but if we can start just even on our own and then we raise the vibrational frequency up to the one that is, I believe, is it bliss or is it love? Is I don't know what it is. It's something up at the top there that uh, possibly I haven't achieved yet. So I have no idea. Um, but but yeah, we're, we're living in an age of fear. Uh, I don't know if you would agree with that, but I, I love this concept of wanting to raise your own consciousness and then helping that have that ripple effect uh, for the collective consciousness. Yeah. I mean, we've been, you know, in Dr. David Hawkins work, his book called Power Versus Force, um, he says humans have been under supporting life for some time. And that's like 200, I think it's a consciousness level of 2204, I think roughly. And he's like, we're at a point in that where we, we have the potential to finally flip that and go to supporting life. But we're also at the same time, we're at a point where it can drastically go down even more. Right. Um, and it's when you bring up the energy of fear. Yeah, fear is something that um, there's powers to be that influence the matrix, you know, right. also because some people say, well, how does it, if the matrix is this, how can they control that? Well, the matrix is controlled by what we focus, where our emotions are, and and uh, what 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 our thoughts are. So, if I can implant thoughts into your mind to get you to focus on something and create an emotional reaction, now I have influence over you, and now mm -hmm. I'm influencing the matrix. The more eyes I can get on that, the more I can have that cycle, and then the more I can even control the behavior. Because research shows um, that uh, someone who's in a state of fear. We can, they can literally predict their behavior and, and, and so forth. And so this is how this whole cycle continues. And uh, we need to, the, the times now to step out of that and take back the reins and, um, you know, and have people understand that the power comes from us. We mm -hmm. always look outside in so many elements. So the stuff I teach from a micro perspective can be, it also applies to a macro perspective in the essence of that. You know, like mindfulness is one thing that can solve a lot of these things, too. When people look at the murder, I come from Chicago, you know, one of the murder capitals in the United States. Right. And Dalai Lama once said, if we teach kids to meditate, we will end violence in one generation. Hmm. Now, for a lot of people, that sounds crazy, but you already know the neuroscience behind it. Yeah. Can I ask you if you narrate your own books? You do. I, I love it when people narrate their own books because it's in their own voice. I do warn people. I say, listen, if, if you're no, most some people listen to books and they listen to a little faster. I'm like, if you listen to them to a little faster, just listen to the Don't. normal rate. Exactly. <laughs> you you are a very fast talker, but you're very clear in what you say. Your diction is clear. So that's great. I appreciate that. So we have some other ones to rediscover your greatness. That's also free with an audible trial. So if, and if somebody is out there who hasn't tried audible before and wants to, and wants to have some free uh, books, uh, Dr. Vic's books are up here. Uh, is this more of a dovetail onto the matrix? And as far as you, I know you'd alluded to it, uh, unleashing your potential. Uh, and this is more of an in-depth sort of rediscovering your greatness. This one was one of my, my Rediscover Your Greatness was my first book I've ever written. And it was one of those things where um, I was going through it. I went through a period of like, you know, redefining what, you know, looking at life as a game and just understanding the rules to life and applying them and understanding the more I understand those rules, the better of a player I can be in this game. And so I break that down into elements of like who you really are, 
the power of focus. I talk about meditation in there. Um, I get into how words define your reality. Um, many things along that nature so that you can kind of come back to taking the power back to you in an essence of understanding how the game of life works. But I, I do warn in that book, I'm like, each chapter is a book in itself, mm-hmm. but it's just to, again, create just a little bit of awareness for that one person who's like, man, I really like what he said here. I want to learn more. that's the purpose of that book to want you to go and be like, all right, I want to go take on more and learn more about this and learn about other aspects of it. And that's really the premise of that book. And it is a way to guide you because it gives you a lot of general, uh, I don't go into deep lengthy stuff, but it it does give you a general perspective on those things. So you can at least have a grasp of the basics of what you can start doing in your life. That's awesome. I I don't know if you talk about relationships, but the most important thing that I've heard about relationships and I've experienced is the relationship with yourself. And if you want to have good relationships with other people, you've got to, it starts with yourself and how you are being towards yourself, what you think towards yourself, what you believe about yourself as well. So these sound like really good books to be able to to do that if you're interested, even in relationships with others. I think they would probably really be helpful. They are. uh, A lot of things I share is all universal. So like whatever I share in one element, you can take that in business, money, relationships, health. They're usually going to cross over because it's a lot of universal stuff. Yeah. Well, you have two podcasts as well, and I was going to take us to the other pages, but I think these are links because Amazon does have podcasts in here. You do have, are these are two, the Mindful Chiropractor podcast and the Mindful Experiment podcast? Those are both of your podcasts, correct? So yeah, the Mindful Experiment is my big one. That's the one I've been doing for over four and a half years now. Um, the Mindful Chiropractor, that's for, I, I created that. I don't put a lot of energy into it. That one's more for chiropractors. I do like one episode a month. Um, mm-hmm. But the one for the public is Health by Dr. Vic. That one I just started a couple okay. months ago. And I share principles on health and some some things along that nature. Um, so those are the two podcasts, Health by Dr. Vic and the Mindful Experiment. Yeah, that's so cool. So he, so Dr. Vic has podcasts and he has all these things uh, that are helpful. Uh, we'll go ahead and put his uh, website up here. It is actually www.empoweryourreality.com. So check it out. Make sure you take a visit over there. In fact, I'll go ahead and see if I can uh, share the screen again and we can go and check out his website. Let's look here. So this is his website and you see here, and, and that quizzical look on your face, can you uh, explain that? <laughs> Are you trying to figure out the matrix there? I mean, what's going on there? Uh, wondering There's what a lot. the brain's doing. <laughs> There's a lot of hidden things behind that view. And it's funny mm-hmm. how that came out. And then I've used it for a lot because it's just, I'm always curious about life. You know, there's as much <laughs> as I think I know something, I'm looking up to my left going like, yeah, I think I had this all figured out. But now there's so much more. <laughs> and I'm looking at the brain like that's, I'm trying to figure it out through the brain. But there, I know it's way beyond that. That's so great. I love that. I, I I love that word quizzical to describe the look on your face like, hmm, is that really going on or is it not? But yeah, they do. So you have your, your podcast, you have your episodes. Um, we just visited this again. Um, I'm not really sure if, um, oh, here, this one right here is, let me share this screen. All right. 
So here, here's the main website, and this is information about Dr. Vic, and he talks about himself. There's a one-on-one -on -one call. Apparently, it's a free coaching call. You want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah. Uh, I offer for anyone that's interested, you know, if anything I ever share resonates and you're a business owner of some sort, you don't have to be a business owner. I do have some clients that aren't business owners. Um, and uh, you like what I'm talking about. We hop on a call 30 minutes and basically for the first like two thirds of it, 20 minutes of it, I'm um, learning about you, what your goals are, what do you want to achieve in your life, what your pain is, your struggles, um, your dream life. And then, uh, after we get through that section, I I'll share some little tidbits that can kind of move the the you know move the energy forward or kind of help a little bit, and then if I feel like it can help you, that's the purpose of the call too. Um, then I'll share what my coaching process is, how I can help, and then what that all is about. Awesome, yeah. So so you are a coach, and oh, is that your dog and your that's wife? my dog and that's my wife. Oh, that is so cool. I didn't actually didn't scroll down earlier. So I didn't see, is that a pit bull or what that is, what is kind of... that's my little pity. Well, he's not little, but... <laughs> oh, look at those eyes though. Looks like he or she could see right into my soul. <laughs> oh, he's, uh, he's very, yeah, uh, he's an interesting dog. I will say in many ways. Uh, oh my gosh. Yes. But, those uh, eyes. Yeah, it's, that's how he's always, ever since he was a puppy, he was like that. We were always amazed how he just like, when we, he learned sit, he just stare and then just stare at you. And yeah. it was always that look like, this guy is like, he's not, he's not a dog. Like it's, his energy is so different. It's not like, <laughs> I, I, it sounds weird to people when I say that, but I'm like, you get a, you, you're around him a little bit. You're like, this doesn't act like a dog. He tells you what he wants vocally. He, you can know. Cause like I had a friend over and she never been around like us when we were uh, with our dog. I mean, she'd seen him like for a couple hours, but not like spending a whole weekend with us. And she's like, he'll do something. I'm like, oh, he has to go out. And she's like, how did you know that? Like, and they'll be like, oh, he wants to go for a walk or he's hungry. And she's like, it's, to me, it all sounds the same. I'm like, no, no, he's speaking to you. If you're listening, you get used, you know, his work, you'll know his stuff very quickly. Why is he vocal? Why? I have no idea, but he's just a, it's just how he is. And we trained him that way. Wow. He's a telepathic old soul. Looks like yeah, <laughs> what's his is. name, by the way, what's his name? His name's Hank. Hank. Well, that's yeah. a kind of a practical name there for a for a pit for a pity. Yeah. Right. So Hank the Tank. Hank the Tank. Yeah. Well, awesome. Do you have any parting words? I'm going to go ahead and put your social media links up here so everybody can see them. They'll also be in the show notes, so you can check uh, Dr. Vic out on a variety of social media platforms. So there's his website. Yeah. Any other uh, parting remarks that you would like to be able to make or? Uh, maybe inspiring things of meditation, mindfulness, and whatever. I would say when it comes to practicing mindfulness, one of the things is just to be patient with self. We live in a world today where our attention spans are shrinking like crazy. Um, it's, it's, we live in, we're very more impulsive. So the thing is just when you do this kind of stuff, just don't put a time frame on it. Just in just the what I mean by time frame is don't say by like 90 days, I should have this mastered or in 30 days or in two weeks. Just just do the work, show up even when you don't want to. And I can tell you that it will help you in so many ways because life's chaotic. Mm -hmm. But yeah. there is a there is a center to all that. I always mm -hmm. like to use the term of a hurricane. I, I use that example all the time. And mm -hmm. either and if, if no matter how big the hurricane is. There is an eye in the middle that is beautiful, calm, and blissful. You know, yeah. you can you can go in the middle of that thing and you're going to be like, I don't see a storm anywhere near me. 
It is mm-hmm. so beautiful here. You have that mm-hmm. opportunity every single day, no matter how chaotic your life is, to mm-hmm. return to that center point any yeah. given time, any given moment. And mindfulness is one of the most powerful tools. You can do it for absolutely for free. We shared some tips today yeah. to do that and so much more. And it's worked well for me as well. I um, we have been trained to do dialectical behavior therapy and a big component of DBT is mindfulness. So I've learned uh, to do all kinds of different mindfulness practices and it's really helped my monkey mind not be so scattered. And for people who aren't thinking it's gonna work for them, I would also like to say once again, that it really does work. You, it's not a perfect, it's a practice. And it's gonna be one of those things to where you'll wake up one day and you'll say, oh, that doesn't bother me anymore. Or, oh, that I can focus on something so much more clearly. After you practice it uh, for a time, you will notice some changes in your, in your life. Uh, trust me, trust Dr. Vic. And oh my gosh, you have a TikTok. You are so, uh, my gosh, modern. Look at that. He's got a TikTok. What kind of TikToks do you put on there? Come on, Dr. Vic. I just do the educational stuff. It's not the most popular in the world. It's not what TikTok's designed. It's just, you know, I was already, you know, I always tell my, like my business clients or my clients this, I'm always like, uh, I'm like, if you have Instagram, go on TikTok. They're like, I don't want to be, I'm like, <laughs> if you do reels on Instagram, it takes you an extra minute and you're, and you have it on TikTok. So that way you're just, you're accessing different generations. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I appreciate that for sure. And uh, thank you so much for being on Calming the Chaos today and sharing your wisdom, sharing the things that you know. And uh, I appreciate having you on the show, Dr. Vic. Oh, the pleasure was mine. I enjoyed the conversation and thanks for the time. You're welcome. Thank you for listening to Calming the Chaos podcast. If the information in this podcast has been helpful, please consider subscribing and share it with your friends. You can find this podcast on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Music, Spotify, and on YouTube. You can also go to our podcast website at www.calmingthechaospodcast.com, where you can listen to all Calming the Chaos podcasts. Thanks so much for listening, and I look forward to sharing my next podcast episode with you. In the meantime, take care.